0: From Fox 8 Sports, you're listening to Fox 8 Overtime.
1: From Fox 8 Studios in New Orleans, welcome into Overtime, the podcast for all things sports, all things Louisiana, and everything in between. Alongside Chris Hagen with John Bennett producing, I am Sean Fazan. Today, we are talking Saints, we're talking LSU, we're talking everything. But first, we want to remind you, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and please tell your friends and if you want to get in touch with us, use that Final Play app or Tiger Huddle app to submit that question. Now, let's get to it. Chris Hagen is here. Um, we both did Arm Day today. We're, uh, we're on point, at least in our own minds. Flex um, Wednesdays. But, uh, look, we have uh, – this would normally be the day we would get all of our – we would really start going with our pregame uh, production, if you will, of, of a game week. Uh, you get an extra day this week because of the Monday Nighter, but still – um, it's here. Game week is here. Saints versus Texans. They got the early Monday night game. They play a Texans team that, if you write their roster down on paper, it actually looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, but they've made so many deals over the last three weeks at so many prominent positions. I, I just wondering how, how does that all mesh together when they meet the Saints on Monday night?
2: Yeah, that's the thing. There is a chemistry factor that comes with that, especially when you're talking about adding a guy like Laramie Tunsil. And such a prominent position, like you mentioned. The offensive line, I don't think, is ever a unit that you can point to just one or two guys. That Yeah, they can be difference makers, but they still have to work as a cohesive unit. So that'll be interesting to see um, how that comes together. Um, Then at running back, Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde, a lot different than the Lamar Miller, Alfred Blue looks we've seen in years past. Um, Duke Johnson obviously brings something different to the passing game. Carlos Hyde, steady as they come. Mm-hmm. A guy that I thought was running really well at the beginning of last year in Cleveland, and just became this valuable trade asset for a lot of teams. I'm interested to see where, if Tex, if the Texans are the final landing spot, and what he can do. I think he's a talented back, but still tread on the tires um, against the Saints, though. Uh, we'll see how that matches up, and I guess that's some of that's what we'll get into.
1: Yeah, and look, Kenny Stills is a guy. I think, I think he's a mid-two good three receiver in the NFL. I think he's a guy that can beat you if you – he can sneak up on you if you're not careful. Um, Saints know that full well. They had him the first two years in his first years of his career. Uh, Breeze took advantage of that. So all things being considered, you know, these are quality football players that can help a team win. It's just a question of how fast can they win. But what we do know is regardless of the chemistry or whatever the case may be, they still have Deshaun Watson and – if you watched Deshaun Watson's last game last year, which I'm sure the Saints have, that's the blueprint. Do whatever you got to do to keep him in that pocket because it's a pocket passer until proven otherwise. Mm-hmm. He's pretty human. Yeah, he becomes
2: a gamer when, once he gets outside of the pocket, and your cornerbacks are asked to cover for four, five, six, seven, eight seconds mm-hmm. downfield. It becomes really difficult. And that's where I think I do like the addition of Kenny Stills to the Texans. Um, one thing about them is obviously DeAndre Hopkins is always open. I'm always going to throw that guy the ball. I don't mm-hmm. care who's on him. Um, but where they've really feasted is at the second wide receiver spot. Will Fuller, when healthy, has been electric because good luck to your second corner unless mm-hmm. you're like the Jaguars um, with Boye and and uh, Ramsey. Your second corner's got his work cut out from trying to cover a quick guy like Fuller. You had Kenny Stills who, if anything happens to Fuller, um, becomes another option they, they like. Um, you know, getting the ball downfield in big plays, and so that's where Deshaun Watson becomes a factor. That's where the receivers become a factor. That's kind of what I've got my eye on for this game. Um, the Saints have a good run defense. I'm sure, y- y- you know, you're going to run the ball. You're going to test a little bit. But where the Texans do their damage is shots down the field. Um, big plays. They're uh, That's I mean, it. I like to call them a team that's either going to go three and out or they're going to just burn you down the field. Not
1: overly efficient, but they are explosive. Yeah. Really is what kind of the way you would go. DeAndre Hopkins had 115 catches for 1,572 yards last year. So, um, he's – the number disparity last year, I think w- – at what point did Will Fuller go down last year? I thought he only played seven games last year. Yeah. yeah the number like disparity number is unbelievable. The next highest pass catcher is like 34 for the Texans last year. hmm I mean, we thought the Michael Thomas disparity last year was bad, but at least the Saints had Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. I mean, the next guy had 30-something catches. So, um – Stills will hurt, will help, and obviously getting Fuller back will certainly help. Their defense actually mirrored the Saints a lot last year in terms of dynamite against the run, little leaky in pass coverage, but they have they have a defense that's capable of big plays, which is probably the way you go in today's NFL. You have J.J. Watt, 16 sacks. Um, looks like Kareem Jackson and Justin Reed led their team in interceptions. Um, McKinney Cunningham and led their team in tackles. So they're a team. Looked good against the run last year, but can be prone to some big plays in the passing game.
2: Yeah, and like you mentioned, I, th- I do think that is a bit of a recipe in the NFL. The way that the rules favor offenses mm-hmm. now, it's really hard to shut them down. You think you shut them down, all of a sudden there's a first down penalty given up. Uh, there were teams in the past that, and there may be still be one or two, maybe the Jaguars on good days, some others that like can really shut you down, force you mm-hmm. three and out, um, but I think more feast on turnovers – I mean, given the sa- look at the Saints. The Saints were, like you mentioned, terrific against the run. Um, but they weren't necessarily um, awesome against the pass, especially mm-hmm. to start the year. But where they became opportunistic was the turnovers. You mm-hmm. look at the Vikings game. Um, you look at the Eagles game in the playoffs, um, the way they started the Rams game with the mm-hmm. DeMario Davis interception in the playoffs, the way that they p- like really kind of slammed the door in that first half against the Rams – uh, in their week, was it nine meeting mm-hmm. last year when Anzalone had the interception. They were so good at not only getting turnovers, but creating points off of them. And I think the Texans are similar in that fashion. Plus 13 last year. You want the sack fumbles with J.J. Watt. Right. You wanted, you had Clowney. You wanted Clowney to get in there and cause havoc too. Um, so I think that's how they tend to operate.
1: And, and look, takeaways, You you would take that over if you were plus 13 in takeaways but you're 22 in pass defense, I think yeah. you're going to take that in today's NFL, Dude, that's, that's especially like, when you have Deshaun Watson as your quarterback. That's
2: like the 2009 Saints defense right. in a nutshell. Give me the takeaways. Give me the pick sixes. Give me all that. I, I'm not As long as I'm not giving up points, um, it doesn't hurt me too bad. And when you look at the Saints and Texans, they're two teams that can score the football, so that can mask some things too.
1: Saints offensively, um, I'm really curious about Jared Cook. Uh, we didn't see much of him in preseason. We saw a lot of him in training camp. It looked like the chemistry was there when I talked mm-hmm. to him uh, during one of our pregame segments. He said that the chemistry with him and Drew Brees is the fastest he's ever picked up uh, in terms of chemistry with the quarterback. I just think, you know, the book was out, right? Do your best to take, away, take out Michael Thomas. Um, try to shadow a Camaro when you can. The Saints didn't have another option. Well, now they do, and Jared mm-hmm. Cook. And if you go back and check the big-time the big uh, offenses with a – Saints' best offenses, they always had a guy that can get to, get to the scene. Uh, so, Jared Cook is the guy I'm watching the most because I think he's got the biggest – he can make the biggest impact in terms of wins and losses and production on of the offense uh, this season. So, I, I'm looking for Jared Cook.
2: I think it's huge for staying on the field. I, I mean, especially when you get in third and long situations. Third and short, Kamara's like a cheat code. Mm-hmm. Like, you can hit him in a number of routes near the line of scrimmage. He's going to mm-hmm. wiggle forward. Um, I think when you get in third and longer, though, that's where you look at some offenses like the Chiefs and the and the Patriots, for example, and Travis Kelsey and formerly Rob Gronkowski up in New England. Mm-hmm. Tight ends are so big on third downs. It's it's so hard to when you don't get a good matchup as a defense and you've mm-hmm. got that tight end against a, a linebacker or a safety that they can take advantage of. I think that's where Cook has an impact. I'm a believer in him um, from what we saw in camp, some of the plays he made in double coverage, just the timing with – him and Breeze seem to be there. Breeze, trust factor. And I know, like we've talked about, there are some throws that you make in training camp you're not going to make in a game, mm-hmm. but it's to see what's right. there. But they did that. I believe in, in like, all my fantasy football teams. I think I took him in three or four fantasy teams I have. I think um, he's a
1: 60-catch guy, 900 yeah. yards, 12 touchdowns, that kind of season. Yeah. I'd it,
2: be, I I am interested in that, that last number, 12 touchdowns. Yeah. The red zone targets is what's interesting.
1: I And the best thing Cook can do – is make contested catches. Because Breeze is going to fit it in there. And it's mm-hmm. not going to be an easy catch, but it's going to be in the perfect spot. Got to make those catches. Yeah. Um. You know, So many times Colston did that, where it was just, wow, it's a perfect throw, but it still requires a perfect catch. So making contested catches like 13 does, pretty yeah. much every, maybe the better than anybody in the NFL making contested catches, I think Cook's got to be that guy at the tight end position.
2: We saw that from Michael Thomas in the, the preseason game yeah. where he connected with Breeze. Two of those catches on the drive fitting him in and the coverage on the left side of the field and the, the touchdown catch were both ridiculous catches that he put on the money and Thomas didn't have a whole lot of room to operate but he made the play um, and you know we love to compare it to Jimmy Graham but that's what he did I mean if it was one-on-one it was it was Jimmy Graham's yeah. ball it was a double me type of situation and um, you know you mentioned with Kamara and Thomas there's only so many guys you can double you can't double all of them one of them's gonna have a favorable matchup
1: yeah so, I mean, that's why that extra pass catcher, in whatever form it came in, whether it was a receiver or a tight end, because I still think, look, there's going to be some development from Trey Quant smith I think he's going to be a little bit better this year. You, you know, generals going to sneak up on you every now and then. Um, maybe one of these young kids, uh, the fourth and fifth receiver in Kirkwood and Carr, flashes at some point. But I still think it's going to be Thomas, Cook, and Camaro. Now, in the run game, you know, People ask me about Latavius Murray. I don't really know what to say. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't know how he's going to look in this offense.
2: Yeah, and I, I've looked at the numbers. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a fantasy football mm-hmm. guy. And it's 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 really interesting because even so – you, you, if you chart Kamara and Ingram and their touches and carries, it was the start of 2017 – uh, Kamara's rookie year, it favored Ingram, but only slightly. It was probably mm-hmm. about 18 touches to 13, Ingram to Kamara. It evened, it evened, and then it flipped. Mm-hmm. By the time you got to the playoffs, especially that Vikings game, it became obvious in that second half of the Vikings game and go-to downs, Kamara's your guy. Obviously, Ingram suspended to start 2018. Kamara establishes himself as a guy who can take a little bit more punishment, can take a little, a few more carries, didn't sacrifice his health. But even once Ingram came back, Kamara was that guy um, it's hard, like you said, to nail down a role for Murray because you want to say he's the goal line mm. or red zone guy, but Kamara is still so good in that department that it just depends. I think it depends a lot on game situation. Running down a clock, you see more Murray. You see a reliable guy, a guy who can pick up first downs. But I, I, don't, I think it's, it's really a game situation thing.
1: That's an interesting dynamic if you're Peyton. You know you have to pace Kamara. You cannot overload him with with a crazy amount of snaps because he's best when he's all over the place, not necessarily a guy you just hand the ball to. But (laughs) you want him on the field. I mean, you've got to have him on the field. Let's get to a couple questions, and then we'll shift gears and talk some LSU. This is from Robert and Chalmette down in the parish. Based on what you guys have seen over four preseason games, what are some areas do you think the Saints need to improve in before the start of the regular season? Um I think we have been all um, pretty much on board with their biggest weakness is reserve tackle. Mm -hmm. Um, The biggest unknown on the entire team as far as players are going to play every single play is the pass rush opposite Mm -hmm. Cam Jordan without Sheldon Rankins in in the interior. If you don't, you just don't know. So those will be my two question marks heading into this game.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you there. We were, some of us, harder than others. (laughs) Looking back there at you, Kincaid. Kincaid. We were really hard on uh, Marcus Davenport at times. I think everybody was. Yeah. And, um, because you want to – I think it's out of – you can say it's out of love, so to speak, right? Yeah. You want to see the guy succeed. You want to see him you do well. You want to see him do well, right. Want, because athletically, he's a freak. He's got the long arms. He's got the potential. I think he's got um, – he's flashed, but you just want to see it there. So that would be my biggest question too. I'll also add, I want to see if Trey Hendrickson can bring over the camp hype to the regular season. I
1: just want to see him in the rotation. Last year, he was inactive most of the year. Mm-hmm. I think he's at least earned an active spot every week, and if he's not a starter, just an every, just a, a a rotational guy and give you some quality snaps. That's what I want to see out of him because I think his ceiling is a little different than Davenports, Ports, but I also think he surpassed our expectations a little bit, at least in the preseason. So I think he can be a player. Um, secondary wise as well. I think. They can be exposed to the big play at times, but as long as you're opportunistic, much like the Texans, I think uh, you can somewhat survive. Let's move on to Ken Ordez from Madisonville, Louisiana, over on the North Shore. If another team claims the Saints practice squad player to activate their 53 roster, can the Saints activate that player to their 53-2, releasing another Saints player in order to prevent losing that player, or is it too late? Here's what happens. A team puts in a claim on a practice squad player. Generally speaking, uh, the Saints are notified or, or, or know it's coming. They can sign, They can choose to sign that player and cut a player off their active roster if they like that guy too much, or they can just let him walk. So, yes, this scenario is possible. And I want to say, was it Ryan Griffin years ago where that almost happened? Was it Ryan Griffin? Yeah, Ryan Griffin was the guy on the practice squad. Another team eyeballed him, wanted to sign him, and the Saints grabbed him. So that that, that can happen.
2: I think, and I think the question stems out of, Probably Emmanuel Butler. That's the one, a right? A guy that everybody talked a lot about, and we just—he didn't quite see enough from. I think I think you had him on your fifty-three, oh, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a guy that is easy to project, but at the same time, it's also—I I can't blame the decision being made, at right? Decision, it, especially or at the position, especially given the fact that you did get him back on the practice squad.
1: I would think he's one. If another team puts in a claim, they're going to work to keep. Uh, there's a few like that. Probably Alizé is the yep. same way. Um just those two off the top of my head i don't think they want to let those guys walk all right let's take a quick break we come back we're going to talk some lsu tigers you might have heard they look pretty good offensively Yup. chris and i will break it down next
0: at keesler federal credit union if it's important to you it's important to us here you're more than a customer you're a member and we're more than a financial services provider we're your financial partner with a genuine interest in your life So whether you want the best rate on a credit card for the things you love, a home loan for the people you love, or savings and checking that work as hard as you do, we've got you covered. And that's a good thing. From Fox 8 Sports, you're listening to Fox 8 Overtime.
1: Welcome back into Triple Coverage podcast. It's actually called Overtime, but this version is the Triple Coverage. It's our midweek uh, installment. Um, what episode are we on? 64? 65? 65, episode one of Triple Coverage. 65, episode one of Triple Coverage. This is our uh, midweek football season podcast. And I don't know, LSU has uh, people excited up in Baton Rouge. Uh, look, they look clean. They look efficient offensively. I went back and watched the tape. Uh, if you guys want to look at my uh, my tape study, go ahead and download that or go to the Final Play app or the Tiger Huddle app to check it out. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, now they travel to Texas. It's been a little chatter back and forth. Um, it is what it is. But uh, you always kind of had this game uh, as the quote-unquote official start of the season because uh, you, you knew what was going to happen with Georgia Southern. But still, LSU-Texas is going to be real in Austin this weekend.
2: It's not just... LSU Texas it is SEC versus Big 12 Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a matchup that you know there's levels to it in terms of players obviously this is is gonna have an impact on recruiting with as much as LSU likes going to Texas there's obviously the LSU wanted Tom Herman that didn't pan out Uh, they got Ed Ogeron at the time some saw it as settling but all of a sudden this trajectory has kind of brought them mm-hmm. to a head where right here. Texas is, quote, back. Uh, LSU could be back. Mm-hmm. And I think this game, given their schedules, especially LSU's, could determine who's back in contention for a national championship in terms of college football playoff implications.
1: I think whoever loses this game can, can rebound. But you don't want to lose this game. You just don't want to lose this game. This is such a high-profile game. You know, there's been a lot of talk. You played so well against Georgia Southern. I, I, I'm guessing the Texas folk are saying they, they uh, Texas played well against a lot of Tech. Um, you just don't want to lose this game. It's, it, it would just kill momentum after a, a, a near flawless game against Georgia Southern. And we've seen, and it's Georgia Southern, but we've seen some clunky performances against that caliber of opponent before. And they came out and really into that game by the second quarter. Um. So, I'll say this, though. The offense looked phenomenal. Um, No huddle, shotgun formation, a lot of 11 personnel. Um, Similarities in their passing game to the Saints' offense, not necessarily in their run game, but in the passing game, some similarities to the Saints' offense. But I'll say this. The space between the defenders and the receivers against Georgia Southern, that's going to be tightened a little bit against Texas. Burrow's going to have to be a little cleaner, a little more accurate. Um, He was accurate, obviously, against Georgia Southern, but... The window is going to be tighter against the Longhorns. I
2: do like LSU's receivers, though. I like LSU's I like a- athletes all over the field, to be honest. I I think um, when you look at LSU's linebackers, especially when you see them without pads on at interviews sometimes, like this is an athletic group. It's guys, that, and, and they the linebackers and safeties look so much alike. They move similarly. They can play some kind of hybrid guys. I think that's what you need against a team like Texas when you're talking about a Sam Ellinger who um, can get around and, and move outside of the pocket. They like to run with him. They have some design runs for him, obviously, in the red zone. But I don't think there's anybody past the defensive line that, that LSU is worried about um, not being able to keep pace with Ellinger or really anybody on that, that Texas offense. I think that's kind of what we'll see um, with Dave Aranda's defense and what he likes to talk about is their versatility and their athleticism and being able to put a lot of guys in different positions and still have them make plays.
1: It's early, but and the offense stole the show. But I couldn't help but but notice that the way LSU was built defensively, the type of guys they have, this might be the blueprint for the modern dominant uh, defense yeah. in college football. You have two hybrids in Delpit and Jacoby Stevens who I really liked. I yeah, mean, dude. they had him playing off the edge. They had him dropping in coverage. You know, they they were mixing and matching with him and Chase on. I mean, and you have you know some you have some beasts at linebacker and Damone Clark and Queen and now Divinity's coming back. Good luck figuring you know all that out. Um, I think defensive line Shelvin looked good. I thought it was interesting that at Ogeron didn't want to give him too much of a compliment because he tends to relax when he gets compliments, like he's he's gotten there already. So. Um, here's a factor though Um, 100 degree temps in Austin with a fast paced offense and I'm, I'm assuming Texas does a pr- pretty similar thing with their no huddle Um, it'll be a test of who's in the best shape as well because that, that's going to be steamy and hot and th- they're going to need some hydration yeah my, my fiance was
2: actually just in Austin on a work trip last week and she came back and said I love it here we visited Austin once before mm-hmm. but man it's like a hot box mm-hmm. it, it is just ridiculous and I mean, we're not going to act like Louisiana is this, you know, paradise of ocean breeze. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hot and humid here too. So I think that's a test. I think they're ready. Um, And I do think being able to see LSU's linemen and their offense get up and down the field, mm-hmm. move quickly, limited penalties was certainly a good sign. That's the mark of, I think, a good installation of the offense and a good understanding of it and what everybody needs to be able to do. The fact that you came out and ran it and it, it was – um. It was without many mistakes.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would expect a, a few hiccups here and there with the first time ever trying it in a game, and it was just flawless. Um, Burrow knew where to go. A lot of simple, easy completions built in. I call it the West Coast spread in my mm-hmm. blog. A um, lot of nickel and dime, uh, kind of you know, five yards here, six yards there. I'm very curious to see the evolution of the passing concepts because there was only one double move that I saw, and that was the Thaddeus Moss catch. We kind of looked like a corner and up kind of deal. It may not even be an, uh, an actual double move, it kind of just maybe looked look that way. Um, they're running the ball. It's, it's really just pretty simple. It's an inside zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's much different than the Saints offense. Uh, but, look, I, you get Sadiq Charles back, so that certainly helps this week. Um, the only play that ever worried me was that play in the second quarter where Joe Burrow took that hit and there Rosenhal got confused on who to pick up. Mm-hmm. Like hit him right in the throwing shoulder. You just, you can't have that because Burrow looks like a guy that's so comfortable in this offense and what he's being asked to do and it, and it showed him the field.
2: yeah one of the things he mentioned at interviews was um the fact that Joe Brady and Steve Ensminger take into account a lot of his suggestions what he's comfortable with what he would like to try and see within the offense and it's not just okay we'll think about it and then stash it in the back no they they implement that in he says you will see it the next day at practice and so I think there's a really good communication there I think the benefit of bringing in a fresh mind like Joe Brady is the fact that you can architect this thing not only from the start within LSU, but the start around this personnel grouping and just the fact that LSU's got the athletes. The Mm -hmm. athletes have been there. And, and, you know, I pull up this list on rivals, and um, if you go by their rankings, they, they ranked the top 50 teams as far as recruiting in the last five years. LSU's up there at number four. Texas down there in a tie for 16th. Mm. Um, that's an indication of, I think, kind of where the programs are. I think Texas is, has come a long way, especially from, you know, where their bottom was. But I do think LSU has more athletes on the field, and um, part of it is because of the job LSU's done going into Texas in recruiting, and the fact that Texas has to compete with schools like Texas A and M. Houston and TCU for guys and Oklahoma. really Oklahoma yeah. and everybody else Texas I mean Georgia goes in and gets players Bama goes in and gets players Clemson goes in and gets, I mean everybody mm-hmm. goes to Texas um, but I, I think that's where LSU might have an advantage is um, some of the athletes on both sides of the ball and I just think they're I th- I think they're there I it's hard to put my finger on it all the time but I do think and I, I hope this isn't an SEC bias I can't see it mm-hmm. I might have blinders on but Typically, you see these matchups, and I think when the speed of a defense can match the speed of an offense, I think that gives the defense an advantage, and I think that's where LSU has an advantage. Yeah,
1: I, I agree. I love that matchup for their offense. I'm curious to see if there's any new wrinkles this week because you saw the foundational principles of the offense, the running backs in space, catching the ball, not just in check downs but also in screen. They ran a little angle right with Clyde, Clyde edwards Um I'm curious if maybe they, they play around with – the two tight ends set. with you have Sullivan flexed out, and a guy like Carter in, or Pettigrew in, whatever the case may be? Um, so I, I'm curious to see the wrinkles they add in uh, to LSU Texas because they showed a good bit, but they didn't show everything. As you could tell, there was a simple That was a pretty simple game plan against Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how it evolves next week.
2: Yeah, it was simple. It was a predetermined, I think, um, rotation of personnel, especially mm-hmm. within the running backs. I think this week is where we'll see one or both of either. We'll see. Who's going to be the main running back, or who's the mm. main couple of running backs they like to get in, or you know maybe a specific set of plays or type of plays they have for a guy like Clyde edwards alaire Is he the most underrated player on the game in the, on the like team? Emory. I think so. I, I think he's the most underrated player on because the team because I think he's the one. He's the probably the one every down back they have right now. I think he's a guy that he can do a lot. He's good in pass protection. He is uh, good running between the tackles. He can catch passes. He's used to that. It, from running a spread a, a bit in high school at Catholic High and mm-hmm. being a guy who ran some routes down the field and caught some balls, and he's got the experience. I mean, I what Emory probably has, what Tyrion mm-hmm. Davis-Price probably have in ability over a layer or maybe upside, a higher ceiling, mm-hmm. I do think he has an experience right now. I think that makes him the guy and one we're not talking about.
1: I think, I, I think you're going to see... And I said this in the blog. You're going to see a little more development of the running back route tree as well. You'll see the option route, you see the screen, but beware of the wheel route. But one of those kids that can run, mm-hmm. like like an Emory or a Clyde Edwards-Helaire, that that's coming because that that throw is is there in and college football. It's a staple football. of the Saints. It's, it, 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 it that is there. Their passing game is is very similar um, to the Saints. Let's get uh, a little bit in here on Tulane because, hey man, they earned it. Um, FIU dominance like I was just so happy to see a statement win finally to start a season for Tulane because last year was ah, I was so frustrated I mean it was I was just so annoyed at the the casual nature of them losing their opening game to a team they should have beaten um, and the fact they just weren't angry about it it was just kind of whatever well this year they come in they destroy FIU um, Will Hall immediately saw what a lot of us saw about Justin McMillan he is a very good runner he takes care of the ball and if you th- if the throws are going from the numbers to the sideline, he can be effective. He's not great p- over the middle, and boy, every every play seemed like it was going to the perimeter, and he made good decisions around the football.
2: Called a great game, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big Will Hall fan. After that, and I think that kind of shows um, his aggressive nature a bit as a play caller and, and what he knows he can do when he when he gets the looks he wants and how to take advantage of a of a defense. And look, it shows two lanes playmakers. Um, we've seen it. We saw, you know, Mooney flash at times last Dauphine. year. We saw Corey Duffin out of the backfield. Three carries,
1: two touchdowns.
2: Yeah. But, I mean, that's that's kind of what he was like last yeah. year. I mean, there was one game, I think he had uh, three huge carries in the first half last year, and then I think he cramped up and wasn't able to play as much <laughs> in the second half. And it Because everyone's like, why are they not feeding this guy the ball more? He's a big play machine. And so you're seeing that. And then obviously – uh if Clyde Edwards-Helaire is the most underrated guy on LSU's offense, I think Darius Bradwell might be one of them. Two with mm-hmm. Tulane as a guy um, that's played a lot of positions now and is becoming a really um, quality running back,
1: we said this on overtime last night. They're not going to beat Auburn, we don't think, but you but know, she said we don't think,
2: and like, but but you know, they're there, coming right? down off
1: of a high of a of a very emotional win from, with a true freshman quarterback. Tulane is better then uh perhaps their reputation may uh may allow you to believe if you're if you're Auburn I mean I'm sure they watch the tape and and they aren't going to take them lightly but still is there a chance they sneak up and make this a game
2: i think they can make it interesting because i don't think auburn i don't think oregon's that good i don't think auburn's that good that game obviously could have gone either way mm-hmm. um i picked oregon in that game i i would pick him again but uh yeah, it could be a it could be a close game. I think these games are typically decided though, along the line of scrimmage. I yeah, and, and that's, that's where that's where SEC teams are going to beat anyone. But the an the lanes
1: team. that McMillan had to run are just not going to be there against yeah. Auburn. I mean, those, those the lanes. The tackling
2: is going to be a heck of better. a lot better. Um, but yeah, it I would like to see it be interesting. I but I think it's a good test of execution. If you go out and you execute well and you get beat while well, you got beat, right. Um, I don't want to see the turnovers, penalties. It's going to be a big uh, atmosphere in Jordan Air Stadium. That's what you look for in Tulane. If you go in there and you handle that like you're supposed to be there, regardless of the outcome. I'm not saying moral victory in a close game or anything, like go to win. Um, But it will tell me a lot in terms of how this team is built to compete within the AAC when they've got to go against some of those bigger teams. Like the
1: Houston's or Memphis and all those teams.
2: Yep, when they play, whether it's on the road or at home, like – That will tell me a bit about how Tulane can handle the big game because the way they played. um, Look, the talk about winning an AAC title, it can all be there for Tulane. But you got to execute and you got to play well in muscle situations and avoid slipping on the the banana peels. Uh, (laughs) They're (laughs) back. That's. That's become the thing. I had right? to bring it back. <laughs> uh, but look, yeah, I, I just look for Tulane to execute, and, and and that's really what you can ask for against a, in a game like this against Auburn.
1: Yeah. So play clean and just make good decisions. Just see what you stack up at the end.
2: Before we go, too, before I wanted to, or before we get out of the segment, I should say, uh, the DBU. Oh. <laughs> this is this is interesting, man. And look. Where did they come
1: from, from Texas?
2: I don't know. Like I, I'm looking it up, and I'm like, dude, they got. Earl Thomas, Adrian Phillips, who just had a Pro Bowl season with the Chargers, and Kenny Vaccaro. Who else are you claiming?
1: I can recall like Quentin Jammer back in the day. I mean, right. that's like 'o two, right? I mean, but I'm <laughs> I'm looking. He at, was an Oklahoma guy that did safety. the The receiver was was from Texas, Roy Williams.
2: I'm looking at DBU as like Steady, currently stream, in the game right, right now. Like, I don't want to hear about your 1950s defensive back. Right. I don't care. Um, I'm not – that's not who they're – rep these guys are repping on their shirts. So I'm looking at – I just went down a list, and I encourage anybody, hit me up, fox 8 livecom Chris Hagen TV. If you can name some guys I'm forgetting, and I'm just going to name off a couple schools, um, and you can determine your own DBU. I'm just here to say it's probably not Texas. It may not even be Florida. The common denominator with all of this is that when teams bring up a DBU argument, what school is it against?
1: It's always LSU. Yeah. Who? Look – Big uh, The list goes on, man. I mean even the, 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 the quote unquote second tier guys are, are are making it in the NFL. Look,
2: Patrick Peterson, Trey White, Eric Reed even, Dante Jackson, Greedy Williams, he's a rookie. Tyron Matthew, Jamal Adams, Jalen Mills. Um, am I forgetting anybody? Jalen
1: Collins. Jalen Collins. Jalen
2: Collins, who is he even in the league? No, he had a good run. He he had had a a good run. run. Still, th- that's at least eight names. That's, that's more than Texas. Right. Texas, you're looking at like the three I mentioned. Thomas, Phillips, Vaccaro. Florida, Keanu Neal. um, Janoris Jenkins, transferred to North Alabama. Had some really good years at Florida. Joe Hayden, doing good things in Pittsburgh. Vernon Hargraves, Quentin Dunbar. I'm being... CJGJ. CJGJ. Yeah, if we're giving rookies credit. uh, Florida, you've got...
1: I would would take Florida next, maybe even like an Ohio State. You know what I'm saying?
2: And that's the next one. Ohio State, Denzel Ward, Bradley Roby. Um, guys young in their career like Malik Hooker or Gary On Conley, Malcolm Jenkins, Von Bell, Marshawn Lattimore, Eli Apple, like that's a legitimate case like, to the That's claim.
1: the that, that's the team. Yeah. It's not I don't know, that that just makes that, that's almost like
2: I'm not even gonna get into Alabama. Right. They've got some quality ones. I'm not gonna get into Florida State because Jalen Ramsey, Derwin, James, Xavier Rhodes, PJ, PJ Williams. Williams, Patrick yeah. Robbins, they've got some good ones. I got some schools, and real quick, <laughs> dude, Colorado, South Carolina, and Washington might be able to claim this over Texas. You got <laughs> Washington with Desmond Trufant, Kevin King, Marcus Peters, South Carolina, Stephon Gilmore, Jonathan Joseph, Colorado with Jimmy Smith, and someone else I saw him forgetting. It's not Texas. It I had Texas. to get that off my chest. It ain't Texas,
1: dude. That's almost like we're national champions uh, from Central Florida, uh, a little bit like it's just like you're really reaching there bro yeah, like man. you're really
2: reaching you you gotta you gotta stay relevant somehow i guess because earl thomas is you know getting up there but it's not texas well i think we cleared
1: that up let's take a break we'll talk some prep next uh, on the uh fox eight overtime podcast triple coverage next
0: at keesler federal credit union if it's important to you It's important to us. Here, you're more than a customer. You're a member. And we're more than a financial services provider. We're your financial partner with a genuine interest in your life. So whether you want the best rate on a credit card for the things you love, a home loan for the people you love, or savings and checking that work as hard as you do, we've got you covered. And that's a good thing. From Fox 8 Sports, you're listening to Fox 8 Overtime.
1: We are back when we welcomed in our sports producer. You know him as John Bennett because that's his name. John Crandall Bennett, is that correct? Yes, thank you. That's the middle name? (laughs) They exposed him. I've been outed. (laughs) He's been outed. All right, we're going to talk some prep because it's a little later this year, but the, the prep season is starting this week in Friday. Fox 8 football, the season debut. Chris Hagan, and myself, John Bennett on the ones and twos behind the camera. Uh, Garland Gillen at the game of the week. Edwin Good, our photographer. I can hear a lot that Bottom line is, dun, we're getting dun, rolling. Dun, 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 dun. Friday nights, Fox 8 Football Friday. It's become a... Uh, I'm one of our uh, season number most, 6 most viewed shows. So we appreciate that from all of you out there. All right. Let's go through some games real quick. Give yeah. our takes and uh, then we got out. Then we will get out of here. I'm
3: going to run it down. I want to hear uh, just a, a few of the things that y'all are excited about for these teams, really for the whole season cuz we've got some good teams this year and uh, mm-hmm. it starts with a bang on Thursday, John Curtis versus Ed Nakar.
2: Dude, it's awesome. That's that is the mm-hmm. Battle of Champions and teams that have just been absolutely dominant and I know both of them love starting the season against each other because it's a perfect test. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Carr is dominant. Curtis is dominant. Both of those schools should win their respective districts. Um, that should be a good one at Berman Stadium. I, I'm i going to bet stands are packed for that one.
3: All right. And then we also on Thursday night have Easton versus De La Salle. And when you look at these teams, they're obviously teams that are loaded with
2: talent. Uh, De La Salle has become – I guess running back you of New Orleans, mm-hmm. it seems like no matter what, they are turning out someone who can absolutely chew up uh, yards on the ground. Kudos to their offensive line as well. Um, we'll see what Easton can do. They lost their starting quarterback, uh, but that's still a team that's loaded themselves when you're talking about shot. Clayton and um, Van Pran. Van Pran along the, along the line.
1: Yeah, and um, I, De La Salle has. Brought themselves back to a consistent program again. Obviously, under Ryan Minnelli. they've had their run uh, and they've stayed consistent. They haven't fallen off at all. So um, that, that should be a good game. Two teams that are, uh, uh, you know, two two mainstays uh, in the New Orleans area.
3: On the Friday, the game of the week, our game of the week here on Fox 8 is St. James and West St. John. And as Garland Gillen will tell you, that is called the Railroad Classic. Yeah,
2: battle of. Uh, Robert Valdez Schools. He's now the coach, head coach at St. James, but he's had some good quarterbacks really everywhere. He's gone from West St. John and um, Austin Howard down there to Levi Lewis at Scotlandville, now the quarterback at UL Lafayette. He now he's trying to build another great quarterback. He had uh, – oh, for forgetting my, I'm forgetting him good. in my head. Llewellyn Narcisse at St. James for a while, mm. uh, but now he's trying to build up another quarterback there, so that will be an interesting game.
3: And then uh, Lusher at Newman. Talk about quarterback play there. Well, look, uh,
1: we've we've hyped it up as much as we can. We've prepped it as much as we can. It's finally time for the high school debut of Arch Manning, nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning, son of Cooper Manning. The video I've seen, and look, I try to keep it all in perspective. He's 13 or 14 years old, but, whew, man, he has got some skill, and I just, I'm, I'm very excited about this new era of football in, in New Orleans because now, look, it's going to be – from the first day, of time he steps on the field, there's going to be college recruiters everywhere. Arch Manning is the is, – I'm going to just say it. He's going to be the next big thing to come out of New Orleans in, what, 2023 maybe? 2024, something like that. So uh, excited to see the uh, Arch Manning era kick off.
2: Yeah, man, quick release, throws well on the run, got some really good targets around him. Jermon Sutherland mm-hmm. at wide receiver um, seems to always be open, so should be a lot of highlights. It's always a lot of highlights with Newman, um, but should be really fun to watch over the next couple of years.
3: And then interdistrict play, you've got St. Thomas Moore uh, coming here to New Orleans to take on Holy Cross. Very underrated Holy
1: Cross team. Uh, John Wooten, their quarterback, got some studs uh, getting recruited. Tyler Grubbs, Josh Remitich. Uh, the wide receiver, his name escapes me, but. Uh, Underwood. Uh, is that right? Uh, he's Trey. getting recruited as well. Kirkwood. So um, Holy Cross is
3: a team to watch in the Catholic League. I think they're going to be better than people realize. And then uh, another out-of-district team coming to New Orleans, U-High, visiting Memphis Stadium, John Arrett.
2: That's right. uh, Andy Martin filling in for – excuse me, not filling in, taking Mm -hmm. over for Chad Mahaffey, um, who moves on to Walker. So U-High, obviously a team that has shelled out more than their share of recruits to LSU, Alabama, um, all kinds of SEC teams. And they're going up, you know, against uh, another team, an Arrett that has sent linebackers to Mm. LSU and – um had a lot of athletes there so it's an interesting matchup it's why i, I love these first couple of weeks before district play because you're not going to see any of these teams face off in the playoffs but it's kind of a battle of bragging rights and just putting athletes on the field to do battle it's fun to watch
3: yeah and you i might finally be sending some guys to lsu on the recruiting front this year um over at tad gormley brother martin playing host to bird should be a good game um Brother Martin
1: has uh, the young kid. He was a freshman last year, Memahat. He's going to start at quarterback. Um, they've got some skill. Uh, they always do. Uh, Coach Boniz loves running that RPO system. Uh, Bird has always been a team that you had to respect. Uh, a very good out-of-district,
3: really out-of-city, out of uh, really out-of-metro out of <laughs> out area yeah. uh, matchup there between Bird and Brother Martin. And I'll tell you a team that we're going to be keeping an eye on all year on the recruiting front, Ponchatoula they 're playing at live oak but really it's all and you, you can't miss him all eyes on TJ Finley at six foot seven yeah man that's that's a dude that is really uh, got a lot to show
2: this year um, you want to see I hate to say it, you want to see the rest of the team mm-hmm. get up to that level I, I'd like to see that as far as leadership out of Finley and yep. kind of bringing his team to that next level um, and showing that he's a team guy that can you know maybe take a team that might be around 500 but really make them a, a somewhat of a playoff team um obviously he's got a, a ton of ability we've seen it with his legs and his arm a little bit so he'll be a fun fun guy to watch
3: yeah and he'll be uh, looking for another main target his main guy last year Ty J Spears is now playing for the green wave of got his Tulane. brother got his brother this year there you go um down in Homa, Terrabone with their stud athlete Ja'Kai Douglas playing host to Jesuit Ja'Kai Douglas
1: Florida State am I correct Yes, Yes. Florida State commit. Uh, And don't forget about Mason Smith. He's going to be a junior. Um, Will probably be a five-star before it's all said and done. The Jets with high Blue Jays. They have uh, a defensive lineman by the name of Sonny Hazard. That's a ULL commit. So that should be a good matchup. Those two teams don't obviously play a lot of each other, but it should be a
3: good matchup. And then we're hoping to have highlights on Friday from uh, our affiliate in Charlotte, because Charlotte Catholic is playing host to the Rumble Raiders. Rumble's got athletes, man. Yeah,
1: and they got a new quarterback, in Wickersham, who's got LSU ties. The son of former LSU quarterback Jeff Wickersham. They got he Moore. He is big. He's a big kid. Yeah. Um. They got Coin Moore.
3: Uh, Moore, and then you got um, Kaufman and yeah. Cage at safety. I got a chance. Uh, I made it out to a high school football what game. What they call on themselves, Are they the Bash Brothers. Uh, Smash, Brothers. Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah man. I'll tell you all about that one.
2: Yeah, that's legit, man, and that, that should be fun. I yeah, their
3: D-line was good. Uh, I got a chance to see their jamboree on Friday at St. Paul's, and uh, they were just getting into the backfield every single play. It's a new era, right, for Rumble football. Jay Roth is no longer the head coach. Yeah, Nick right. Monica taking over. Coach we had him on a podcast earlier this summer. Good. Yeah. So, should be fun to watch, and uh, that'll be all. Fox 8 Football Friday. All right,
1: that'll wrap it up. Remember, watch Friday, 1030. Watch the games this weekend. We know you will. Before you go, though, a quick reminder and request to subscribe to this podcast channel to automatically get all of our content. Also, please rate and review the podcast to help spread the word. And if you want to get in touch with us, use the Final Play app or Tiger Huddle app to submit a question. That'll do it for us. We'll talk to you next time on Overtime.
0: At Kiesler Federal Credit Union, if it's important to you, it's important to us. Here, you're more than a customer, you're a member, and we're more than a financial services provider. We're your financial partner with a genuine interest in your life. So whether you want the best rate on a credit card for the things you love, a home loan for the people you love, or savings and checking that work as hard as you do, we've got you covered, and that's a good thing. From Fox 8 Sports, this has been Fox 8 Overtime.